0: welcome in once again it's that betting show here on 610 sports radio alice gold with you i got julio sanchez producing the show for the next hour it is all about sports betting here in kansas city the only live and local sports betting show in kc we got thursday night football kicking off in about 15 minutes or so you know how the show works we'll start with a little thursday night football we'll get into the chiefs and Raiders game from a couple different betting angles for Monday Night Football. We'll also, for the first time on this show, we'll talk some baseball. Baseball playoffs start tomorrow afternoon. Wild card weekend. Three-game series. How do you attack those? How do you bet baseball in the postseason? We'll get some help with that from Nick Galeta, MLB expert for ScoresInOdds.com. He's the commish, and he will join us coming up at 7 30, as we've got some baseball. Maybe you've got some future tickets already out there on a couple teams. Baseball's I, not over? Baseball is not. It's just getting it's just oh, getting okay. started, actually. Right. I know in Kansas City, unfortunately, it's been over for, for a little Seems bit. May. Yeah, yeah, it has. But but there's nothing like baseball postseason. I am excited for that to get going uh tomorrow afternoon, and so we'll take a look at you know, yeah. How do you approach it? Because there's future options, of course, but also is it better to bet game by game? Is it better to bet series pricing? I think there's an opportunity for that this weekend. And uh, who do you like maybe as a long shot? That's something we can get into as well. We'll go ahead and take your text and calls if you want at 913-586-7610. That is the Jay Southland Toe Service text line. So yeah, it'll feel good to talk some baseball. We'll probably talk some baseball for the next month or so uh, th- at times during the show because we'll be on during the middle of the the playoffs. And I guess probably at some point one of the games might even fall in the World Series on a Thursday, night. I'm not sure. So there's a chance we'll we'll have that going on. Uh, But I I do want to start with a couple different things. First off, with the baseball discussion uh, here in the next segment, we get to some of the offshore odds for the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. We know, of course, the news late last night, the Royals moving on from Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred, and J.J. Piccolo, the Royals general manager, executive vice president, held a press conference today. And I I saw some offshore odds come out that – I think are missing a name or two uh, for who the next manager could be. So we'll, we'll lay that out for you coming up in just a little bit as well. Uh, But let's start with Thursday night football, shall we? The Colts and the Broncos. It's a Thursday night short turnaround. We know there's no Javante Williams. There's no Jonathan Taylor. So the two starting running backs not available for this game in a short week. Maybe if they're playing on Sunday you'd see Jonathan Taylor. We do know unfortunately uh, Javante Williams out for the season with uh, the serious knee injury. That's a big bummer after a great rookie campaign. And so it's all on Melvin Gordon and we'll get to an opportunity for him maybe on a prop bet in, in, in a second. But the Broncos are three and a half point favorites. The total sitting at 41 and a half. If you got the number earlier today, if you got it earlier in the week, you know that the Broncos, you could have got it at two and a half or three. It is up to three and a half, depending on your feeling on on this game. Be careful with the, be careful with the hook there. I actually have the Broncos minus three uh, heading into tonight and I'm staying away from the total because you guys have heard me mention this before. So every trend, every trend and I, I love trends. We lay them out all the time and you guys can pick and choose what you do with trends, but every trend says, hey, you got it. You got to bet the under tonight. Every trend says that. Primetime unders this season. We've talked about these every Thursday. They're 9-4 and four now. The under hitting in all but one Thursday night football game this year. Heck, if you look at the Broncos, the unders hit in three of their four games. The Colts in all their games. And every single one of them, including the game where they beat the Chiefs, unders for the total in every Indianapolis Colts game. There's a lot of reasons that the under makes all kinds of sense at 41 and a half. And I'm not telling you that the game won't go under. I, I'm staying away from the total in this game. I, I, I The public is all over the under in this game as well. And eventually the trend of unders will will end, right? that There will be an adjustment from the books, the books, and we've already seen in the last two weeks a little bit. So I'm just personally staying away from the under. I know a lot of you in the Discord channel uh, have been talking about being all over the under, everybody's kind of on the same page. I get it. It's not. I'm not saying it's a terrible bet at all. That's that's not it. It's just I personally going to stay away from it. Seems like it's one of those where everybody is on it tonight, uh, and that's just that's just kind of where I'm going. But feel free to, to bet the under in this game. And if you do want to join the Discord channel, just hit me up on Twitter at Alex Gold. You can send me a DM. I'll give you the link to it. It's completely free. We've got. I think we're now up to uh, 180, maybe. 180 members on there, and it's just people in Kansas City that are are talking sports betting Helping each other out, making sure everybody sees uh, a a boost that's maybe going on on FanDuel, DraftKings, wherever app you're using these days, uh, and anything like that. So let me know if you want to be part of that. It's it's fun and uh, it's pretty simple, completely free.
1: It's a safe space for gambling. Is a safe place for
0: degens. That's for sure. That's exactly what it is. That's that's an accurate way, Julio, to describe what what it is. It's got it's got different categories for every sport, uh, for bad beats, so we can all be upset together and sad uh, when you get screwed by the total tonight, perhaps by. a late cover uh, of the total or over on the total, something like that. Whatever, right? That's what uh, the Discord channel can be all about. Uh, I want to look at a couple props, though, for this game that I do like. uh, Real quick, and you got about 10 minutes to to get these in, or again, you can fade if you want. Uh, We will get to the Goldilocks at the end of the show, and we are are feeling good the last two weeks, guys. We are on a nice little stretch here the last two weeks of the season. We are 12-4 and in college football and in the NFL in the last two weeks, so hopefully you guys have had a chance to to hop on some of the bets. Um, But I like uh, a couple props involving Uh, Wide receiver Jerry Judy, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos tonight. It hasn't been a fast start for him because, frankly, it's been a slow start for that entire Denver Broncos offense. I like his over 50.5 receiving yards. It's been juiced up a little bit, so you've probably noticed. uh, Now in some spots, unfortunately, it may have already gone up to minus 150 so you're getting to a point where uh, you might want to stay away just because of the, the juice there but I, I do like over 50 and a half receiving yards I've got to bet in on that and over three and a half receptions I just feel like this will be the best game of the year for Jerry Judy I do think this will be a game where Russell Wilson has a chance to put together his best game statistically of this young 2022 season so those are two props with Jerry Judy that I do like going up against this Colts defense uh, that I think will still have their backs against the wall throughout much of the night because of the inner effectiveness of Matt Ryan and that Colts offense that also will not have Jonathan Taylor while there's no Jonathan Taylor I do like the over rushing yards for Naheem Hines so Naheem Hines is the number two back will be the number one back now tonight with Jonathan Taylor out and I understand they activated Philip Lindsay former Denver Broncos so maybe you think this is an opportunity where he'll be uh, trying to get a little bit of revenge against his old team and they didn't activate him for for just the hell of it right so I, I think Philip Lindsay could get some carries but the Broncos while there might be the fourth Defense in total defense in all of the NFL, they're actually 18th and run defense. And so I think there's an opportunity here for Naheem Hines to go over 36 and a half rushing yards in this game. It's a low total. I understand he's not Jonathan Taylor. If it was Jonathan Taylor, this total would be at, you know, 90 and a half yards or 88 and a half yards. is probably where the number would be. I think Taylor's number last week against the Titans was 94 and a half. And of course, that was a game in which the Colts lost. Taylor wasn't healthy and he only ended up with 30 something yards. So he was way under his total. Uh, but I do think Nuhi Hines has an opportunity against the 18th ranked rush defense uh, to get some yards there. And then on the flip side, I'm going to go under on Melvin Gordon rushing yards tonight. That's my last prop for the game. Melvin Gordon under 57 and a half rushing yards. Uh, this is a Broncos offense that without Javante Williams, yeah, Melvin Gordon is the guy. However, Melvin Gordon cannot hold on to the damn football. Four fumbles so far in 2022. We all saw also week one where both he and Williams had the ball at the one-yard line, two-yard line, and coughed it up. I, I just could see a scenario where uh, tonight, if there's a fumble again for Melvin Gordon, and I think it's honestly there's a prop bet even out there you can bet if Melvin Gordon will fumble the ball tonight, and I think it's worth a little bit of a sprinkle. He really struggles to hold on to the football. This goes back to his days in in L.A., or I guess San Diego, right, with the Chargers. I think there's an opportunity to go under 57.5 rushing guards here for Melvin Gordon because you have Mike Boone who is going to get some carries there. The backup running back now, the number two running back who got some action last week when Javante Williams uh, went out with the injury and mentioning Mike Boone there worth the flyer. First touchdown score. We know these are a ton of fun for primetime games. First touchdown score. Who will score the first touchdown of the game tonight? I was talking to our boss Speck. Uh, he's on Alec Pierce tonight. I think he got him at 19 to one uh, for a touchdown tonight for the first touchdown of the night Colts wide receiver. Um, I like two guys in particular because I, I personally think the Broncos are going to win this game and cover the three points. And I think they will get on the board first in the end zone, that is at least. And so Jerry Judy and Mike Boone are both 10 to 1. That's an intriguing bet. Melvin Gordon's the odds on favorite to have the first touchdown tonight in the game at 6 to 1, plus 650, actually. Uh, now it looks like. Cortland Sutton's plus 750. Naheem Hines, 10 to 1. Michael Pittman Jr., 10 to 1. And then you get Jerry Judy at 10 to 1 and Mike Boone at 10 to 1. Melvin Gordon's 6 plus 650 for a reason. He's the starting running back for the Denver Broncos. I, I understand that he very well might end up with the first touchdown tonight. He's the most bet on. If you look at all the books, most money and bets are on Melvin Gordon to score the first touchdown tonight. He's a favorite for a reason. There's been an adjustment there for a reason. Um, but I, I got a little sprinkle on Jerry Judy and Mike Boone tonight. Both 10 to 1 to get the first touchdown of the game obviously that requires the Denver Broncos to have the first touchdown, of course, of the game. And hopefully they uh, they get the ball to start this one off on the right foot. So that's the Colts and Broncos tonight, which will kick off in about five minutes or so. Coming up next, though, we're going to get into the Chiefs and Raiders game. Some trends around that one. It's Monday night, so some of the prop bets aren't available quite yet. But we'll look at Patrick Mahomes in primetime against the spread. And also another betting trend heading into week five of this NFL season. Back in on that betting show here on 610 Sports Radio. Alex Gold with you. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll turn our attention to the MLB postseason, which gets going tomorrow afternoon. Nook Galeta of MLB uh, Score and odds expert. He'll join us. Tell us, is there any value on some outright World Series picks? You know, you take a look at the Astros. They're under 4-1 to at this point in time. You look at the Cleveland Guardians. To win the AL, for example, you can get them at 10-1. to Is there value anywhere out there still for some of those? We'll get into that and just the wild card games in particular for tomorrow afternoon. I think the the first game starts, what, at like noon or 1 o'clock our time here in Kansas City. And thinking of baseball, as I said, I'll, I'll give you the offshore odds that came out today for who the next manager of the Kansas City Royals could be. There's one issue I see with the odds, and I'll tell you what that is coming up in just a little bit. But we know the Chiefs and Raiders on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium Let's look at a couple of the trends for this one. So the Chiefs, first off, though, are seven and a half point favorites. The line uh, was seven in some spots a little bit earlier, but it sits at seven and a half consensus uh, across the, the multiple sports book in the Kansas City area. The total sitting at 51. 51- and a half no prop bets uh, are available or for player props. I should say at this point in time uh, on in Vegas and non-offshore bets, just because it's a little bit too early in the week for that. So something to keep an eye on heading into the weekend again, check out the discord channel. If we want to, we can talk about those, but Patrick Mahomes, his last 17 primetime games, he's 15 and two when it's primetime, uh, nobody has been better in primetime games as as Cody and I were talking about here on our midday show. Uh, he is the 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 anti Kirk Cousins when it comes to primetime performances. Think about the numbers that he has put up in those 17 primetime games where he's 15 and 2. Patrick Mahomes has 4800 yards, 38 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. And that's just a ridiculous stat line for 17 primetime games. We know he's just coming off of a primetime game. On Sunday Night Football, where they just destroyed the Tampa Bay Bucks, we're all well aware of what will go down as one of the better plays, to say the least, of Patrick Mahomes' career. I say better plays because I don't think that toss to Clyde Edwards-Alaire will end up on the the top five plays of Mahomes' career just because it was a regular season game. But it's certainly one we will not forget. The The, the Chiefs' AFC title game uh, against the Tennessee Titans, in uh, that run, to me, is one that's for sure cemented on that list. But anyway, Patrick Mahomes is 5-1 and one straight up and and 4-1-1 against the spread, more importantly for us here on this show at least, on Monday Night Football. The only loss uh, straight up was also to the Rams in Mexico in that crazy game. But you just think about in primetime, and he's just tough to beat flat out. At night, in primetime, 16-7 straight up, 13-9-1 against the spread. And in divisional games, which of course the Chiefs and Raiders game is, in primetime slots, Patrick Mahomes, 9-1 in primetime divisional games. And he covers at a 6-4 record against the spread. Those are just a couple trends for the Chiefs and Raiders game. And look, I understand we just saw what happened with the Chiefs and Colts two weeks ago. Where every trend, every reason, Patrick Mahomes uh, going to a dome and the ridiculous numbers he had in a dome. And we know the Chiefs laid an egg against the Colts. It was a special teams disaster. And then... The Very next week, they bounced back. A lot of motivation, not just because of that performance against the Colts, but because, as Patrick Mahomes admitted, going back to a building in which they had lost in the Super Bowl, and other than that second half against the Colts or against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I should say, in the AFC title game, that Chiefs Super Bowl game against the Bucs was was one of those games where you just can't you just can't figure out other than poor offensive line play, which maybe it's as simple as that, right? What what was up with that entire team in that entire game? And so there was extra motivation for that game heading in. I, I just don't believe that the Chiefs would fall into the idea of a trap game twice in a in a, in a four-week span or in a three-week span. I just don't see that happening in this spot. It's at Arrowhead. The Chiefs been on the road for two straight games. We know on primetime at Arrowhead, and we saw what it was like for the Chargers game. imagine it's going to be just as crazy on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead. There's a chance that it could be raining, so that's something to keep an eye on for the total at least. But remember, for totals – When we think about weather, anytime there's rain, everybody panics and thinks that, same with snow, that, oh my gosh, it's going to be a low-scoring game. The thing to watch is wind. That's the most important thing when we're talking about totals and how the weather can impact totals. It's not so much rain and snow and the precipitation. It is the wind. That's usually what actually impacts totals and impacts the scoring element of a game. So just keep an eye on the weather forecast heading into, into Monday night. But the Chiefs are minus 7.5, and, and I think they're going to cover this game. I, I feel confident, even with the hook. Now, obviously, there's an opportunity for some people might even tease this thing down. We've talked about teasers on the show before. There's a chance maybe you could tease the Chiefs down to all of a sudden, it's just you get the Chiefs to, you know, if you're doing a six-point teaser, all of a sudden Kansas City's minus 1.5, and, a half, and you, can, you can couple with a couple other games and, and have a teaser opportunity uh, for that. But I, I do think the Chiefs will cover this game. This is a Raiders team that finally got their first win, and it was against the Denver Broncos team who's really struggled offensively, who's playing tonight, of course, against the Indianapolis Colts. I still didn't come away like all that impressed by the Las Vegas Raiders. The only thing that they did better. And I thought it was a key for them is they got a running game going. All of a sudden, Josh Jacobs had his best game of the very young season by far against the Broncos. I mentioned the Broncos rush defense 18th in the league so far through four weeks of the season. So I think the Raiders, they weren't going to go 0-17, okay? They were going to win a game eventually. Last week was that game in a must-win spot. They're still not in a good spot whatsoever, but a must-win spot. Otherwise, they were looking at 0-4. So I I think the Chiefs will handle the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night. I'm not saying they're going to put up 40 points necessarily, but would it surprise you? (laughs) Would it surprise you if the Chiefs got to 37 or 38 points and held the Raiders to 24 Maybe the Raiders got some garbage time points at the end. That's typically what's happened in, a, in three, uh, two of the Chiefs games. Maybe it's a third. You know, Against the, the Cardinals, garbage time points made that game look closer. Against the Bucs, the Chiefs controlled that thing really throughout. Ended up being a 10-point win for Kansas City. I do think the Chiefs will cover the 7.5 points. But here's a, a few more just league-wide trends before we, we get to the offshore odds real quick in Major League Baseball for the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. So underdogs are 27-36-1 straight up so far. In the NFL season. Now they do cover at a 60% rate. The Raiders are underdogs. As we know, underdogs 38, 25, and one so far. Some other ones that are really interesting though. With the, with the totals. So this comes from the action network. If you bet the under on every total of 44 points or less, if you just blindly said, hey, I'm going to bet the under on every total of 44 points or less and 49 and a half points or more, you'd be 25, 14, and one you would have hit at a 64% rate. So what games fall into that category here in week five? Well, tonight's game, I just told you it's 41 and a half. It actually was 43 and a half at one point in time, Indianapolis and Denver, the Giants green Bay game, 41 and a half, Chicago, Minnesota, 44, Tennessee, Washington, 42 and a half, San Francisco, Carolina, 39 and a half, Philadelphia, Arizona, 49 and a half, Dallas and the, and the Rams 49, 43 and a half. And then the Rams, um, excuse me, the uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs game at the, at the 51 and a half. So if you really want to just go off of the trend blindly, those are the games you want to look to actually bet the under on. And yes, tonight's one of them. You guys know my feeling on tonight's game when it comes to the total. I told you I just, I'm just staying away from betting the under uh, or over the over. Um, so that's that's where things are at uh, for some of the, the under trends in the NFL uh, season. Now, let's take a look at some baseball, and we'll talk about the series pricing for the postseason coming up uh, in just about eight minutes or so with our guest from scoreandodds.com, Nick Galeta. But the offshore odds for the next manager of the Royals came out today. Now, again, these are offshore. You cannot bet on FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, wherever. You cannot bet on that in Kansas legally. This is your Bovadas and your bet BetOnLines and these offshore books. The next Royals manager odds came out. Carlos Beltran has the best odds according to sportsbetting.ag at 4-1. Joe Espada, uh, five to one; Clayton McCullough, seven to one. Uh, those are the top odds for the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. Further down the list, some names maybe you recognize: uh, Bruce Boshi, at nine to one; Ozzie Guillen at eleven to one; Joe Girardi, eighteen to one; Joe Madden at twenty to one. My biggest issue with this, other than this is to me at this point taking a complete shot in the dark when these offshore books put out these managerial odds, um, is that. Pedro Graffal is not even on the list. No, I don't think he's going to be the guy that gets the job. He is confirmed to be one of two internal candidates for the Royals gig. And I get my thoughts uh, on my midday show here. Why I don't think he'll end up getting the job, but he's not even listed on the odds. That makes no sense. He, He should have like the fifth or sixth best odds. I mean, he's, he's an internal candidate that should put you on the list. So, I guess what I'm saying is take the offshore odds to be the next manager of the Royals with a grain of salt, because um, that shows you how knowledgeable or lack of knowledge there is on this for this particular option to bet. Because if someone was really paying attention, they would know you at least have to put Pedro Grafal on the list. The guy's going to get an interview. Vance Wilson's going to get an interview. Like, so you, you got to at least put them on the list. Beltron's an interesting one, um, of course, not only the connection to Kansas City, but remember he was the Mets manager for like not even a spring training game and was involved with the Houston Astros cheating scandal. Is that a route that they're really wanting to, to go down? Four to one odds, it gets people talking, and ultimately that's what sometimes they like to do with these offshore odds. Coming up next, though, let's talk some baseball postseason. It gets going tomorrow afternoon. Nick Galata, MLB expert for ScoresAndOdds.com, tells us how to bet it here on That Betting Show. Back here on That Betting Show. Alex Gold with you. Keep an eye on Thursday Night Football as well. Early going there, about eight minutes to go in the first quarter. It is a 3 nothing Denver Bronco lead. Uh, as far as something that we had mentioned earlier with the running back situation in Indianapolis, we know Jonathan Taylor already out for this game. Naheem Hines now in the locker room being evaluated for a concussion. So keep an eye on that for those of you uh, that are doing some live betting that maybe also had some prop bets out there involving the running backs with the Annapolis Colts. We were talking about Naheem Himes a little bit earlier. I thought maybe he would have an opportunity to have a nice game with the 18th-ranked uh, rushing defense for the Broncos. But obviously, scary sight. to I saw the, the replay of of him obviously unable to keep his balance, so all the best to Naheem Hines. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get to the Goldilocks heading into the weekend. That's how we always wrap up that betting show for NFL, for college football picks. Uh, we've been on a nice little run the last two weeks or so, trying to keep that going into a third week, but let's talk some baseball postseason, shall we? Uh, baseball postseason starts tomorrow afternoon. How do you attack the baseball postseason? Well, we like to go out and welcome in Nick Galata, MLB expert for scores and odds.com. The commish, kind enough to give us some time tonight nick appreciate it man and, and look we're only about five or six weeks into legalized sports betting here in the kansas city area so this is the first baseball postseason for so many to be able to bet on H- how do you suggest people approach the postseason you go game by game do you go series pricing what would you suggest for those that have never bet on the baseball postseason
1: i appreciate you guys having me on i i love this time of year it's arguably my my favorite my favorite my favorite time of year to to attack any any of any type of betting slate I think MLB postseason offers the most unique opportunities for bettors to be profitable I think there's a couple of different ways that you can attack this month it's essentially 30 days of baseball here from a futures perspective what I like to do is I like to look at the list of teams that are in the postseason and I like to see where there are bets that I anticipate maturing so rather than taking Individual series prices, like if you look at the wild card round, you can get the Guardians and the Rays. It's about an evenly priced series. You can get uh, Toronto is, is a little bit juiced in that series with Seattle and so forth. Rather than doing that, I like to take a look at the long, the, the longer odds, the World Series winner or the pennant winner odds. And if you expect those bets to mature, then they become hedgeable. So, for example, if you do like the Guardians to beat the Rays this weekend in, in their wild card series, the Guardians to win the World Series right now You can get them as high as 35-1 to at Caesars or at DraftKings. If they win that first round, they go play the Yankees, immediately that that bet becomes hedgeable because then you can take the Yankees on their series price. You could even play it game by game if you want to wait that out. And then if the Guardians happen to advance even further, then, of course, uh, you you can hedge at that point too. So I like to look at the the futures prices from a World Series perspective, and I I prefer to bet it that way if you're – if you're more of like a series or, or long or like longer term better. But I think game by game, there, there's tons of opportunities as well. It's just being mindful of bullpen usage. And, and I think splits are the most underrated aspect of betting MLB postseason. The lineups are as sharp as they will be all year. Nobody's being rested. There's no threats of, of any of that. So I think, I think there's opportunities for, for both styles of betters either in the futures aspect of it or going game by game.
0: So Nick, if we take a look at some of the, the outright betting odds for the world series is there still a team or two where you think there's some value? Cause there's a lot of people probably like myself that are holding, you know, like a four or five to one Houston Astros ticket and they're plus three eighty at this point in time to, to win the world series. But you mentioned one team that I, that I've been keeping my eye on here and that's the Cleveland guardians who surprised everybody and won the American league central this year. And yet they probably have what the third best pitching staff, fourth best pitching staff in this, in this postseason, in my opinion, do you think they're one of the teams where there's some good value still, to say the least, on them to win the AL pennant or, of course, win the World Series?
1: I think the Cleveland Guardians are grossly mispriced at books right now. The one wild card with them is they, they're incredibly young. They're arguably the youngest team in, in in the history of baseball to experience the type of success they've had. I believe since 1918, I saw a stat earlier this week, they, they had the third highest win percentage for for a team with the average age of under 26 years old. It's hard to know how youth is going to manifest itself, especially in small sample sizes in the postseason. I think it certainly helps that they're at home to get their feet wet against against Tampa this weekend. They're not playing in those primetime spots. They have the afternoon slot tomorrow and then into this weekend as well. They're not going to be the focal point with, of course, the the Padres and the Mets on TV. So I think the the young guys could have an opportunity to get their feet wet. And if they can get through this first series against Tampa, that, that plus 3,500 is going to mature. The Yankees have plenty of holes. I think you can make a, a very, very strong case that the Guardians are actually very well equipped to to knock off the Yankees in a series. In a couple of the so a couple of the reasons I think I, they have a shot against the Rays. The Rays have not had a home game since September 25th. So for me, it, that that that's a red flag. Tampa just hasn't been home. Their only off day in this span was today. They were in Cleveland. They they had to get on a flight after that. They went to. Uh, Houston, then they went to, to Fenway to finish the year, and now they're back in Cleveland this weekend. Haven't been home in a while. That that takes its toll. These are human beings, after all, that we're betting on. I also just I, I'm looking at this from the perspective of of the starting pitching. Like you mentioned, the Guardians have an underrated pitching staff. They, they, they have the pitching advantage likely in every game of this series. They're going to have Beaver against McClanahan in game one. McClanahan has struggled significantly since he came back from a, a brief stint on the IL. In four starts, he's been limited. He's had Admittedly, some some tougher opponents with Houston and Toronto in there, but a 5.21 ERA, a 5.85 FIP, K percentage way down, walk percentage way up. I think there's a lot of valid concerns as to just how healthy he is, and if this wasn't the stretch run of, of a, a baseball season, would he even be on the mound right now? And you look at the Rays' offense, even since getting Franco back in the line, Wander Franco back in the lineup, they've been terrible against right-handed pitching. They're they're 29th in OPS. 28th in in ISO against right-handed pitching the last 30 days, and and ISO is a power metric to to essentially grade the the quality of your hits. So if you're hitting a bunch of singles, your ISO will be down, and then OPS is on base plus slugging. So they're struggling to get on base. They're struggling to have quality hits, you you know, balls in the gap, home runs, things like that. Having to face uh, Shane Bieber in game one and then Tristan McKenzie in game two, the offense is not set up for success. The bullpen for the Guardians, if they can get six innings out of Bieber and McKenzie in game one and game two, Tito is in great shape to 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 get uh, to ride the bridge to Emmanuel Classe in the ninth inning. Who's been one of the best closers in all of baseball the better part of the last two seasons. So I think if you expect the Guardians to get through this series, they'll have a shot against the Yankees. And the who, the Yankees bullpen is nowhere near as good as it was advertised preseason. Uh, last 30 days, they're 15th and fifth. They're 20th in in K percentage as a unit since the All Star break in, in their in their bullpen. So. I, I think the Guardians have a great shot to, to, to mature into a, a very, very hedgeable ticket. They just got to get through Tampa. And then I think they got a great shot personally.
0: We're talking to Nick Galata, MLB expert for scores and com. He's the commish at, you know, Nick, the, the, the other game after tomorrow, uh, the, the the late one, I should say in the, in the day is going to be that Padres Mets series. And, you know, the Mets after, you know, they went a hundred, went a hundred games and th- their draw seems pretty brutal here in, in the, the the way to get to the World Series. I know tomorrow they're their favorites over the Padres with Scherzer on the mound. A, any feel on, on this series in particular against a San Diego team that I, I think could give the Mets some problems in the series?
1: I don't disagree with you. I think the Mets uh, they, they could be in trouble in this series just because the, the San Diego Padres have a lot of talent. And again, in a three game a three game set, there's it's baseball. It's, it's a game that is subjugated by the laws of probability. You can hit baseballs really hard. They can be right at defenders. You can have one error cost you two or three runs It gets magnified in a three-game series like this with so much attention on it. I do think I'm taking the Mets. I know the, the Padres are a popular underdog this weekend. The, the Mets, it, it's a little bit I, – I almost think they're overthinking things, going with Scherzer in game one and then leaving it up in the air between Bassett and DeGrom in game two because they're they're trying to keep DeGrom fresh for, for the start of the division series, hoping that they're able to advance in two games. That concerns me a little bit, but I'm, I'm not betting against Max Scherzer, and then I, I'm assuming DeGrom will pitch game two if he doesn't have pitch game three, so you're still going to have to get through Scherzer and DeGrom in two of those three games. The Padres, to me, are just a lineup that lacks... It, it lacks consistency top to bottom. What I mean by that is there's it never seems like there's there's seven guys in a lineup that, that are that are hitting at the same time and Juan Soto for all the hype that he generates and he won the home run derby he, he got traded to San Diego for a huge haul of prospects he hasn't done a whole lot of damage with the bat he has an incredible eye at the plate he's he makes pitchers work every time every time he's in the lineup but he just he, he isn't a guy I think that a lot of opposing pitchers are are extremely scared when he steps in the box I think I think they can pitch around him I think if you can limit the damage by Manny Machado, I think the Padres' lineup becomes significantly less less lethal. So if you have Max Scherzer on the mound, and then you have DeGrom waiting the wing for either game two and three, and then Chris Bassett is also a very nice option to have. I think they have the starting pitching advantage. Even if Sterling Marte is not on the roster, I, I, I like the Mets' offense. I think they've underperformed the last month of the season. Part of that is due to just some poor some poor luck on, on balls in play. I think that gets corrected a little bit. They're still hitting the ball pretty hard. Uh, last 14 days, they're, they're fifth in hard-hit percentage. Last 30 days, they're eighth in hard-hit percentage. And then in the bullpen, I think that's where the advantage is for the Mets, especially in the three-game series. If you have Scherzer for, for five or six innings and then you can go to that bullpen, that has been borderline uh, the, the best bullpen in the league. The last 30 days, they're second and fifth. They allow almost no traffic. They have a ton of a ton of guys who can throw the ball past people. So you think if if there are guys that get on base, if they have some command issues, they're second in K-percentage the last 30 days as a bullpen, third in K-percentage since the All-Star break, second in FIP, last 30 days, which is an ERA-adjusted metric, which is on the same scale. So I think the Mets are well-positioned. I think they're rightly favored. I know a lot of people are talking themselves into the Padres, but, but I definitely do lean Mets this weekend
0: yeah series pricing for that at least over at FanDuel the Padres plus 164 as the underdogs in that series Uh, let's go back over to the AL for a second here Nick the the wild card series with the Mariners and the Blue Jays obviously Mariners great story and and, and for that franchise well deserved for those fans to get into the postseason here they're underdogs against the Blue Jays at plus 134 for this series what's your feel on the Mariners? are they going to have a chance to to advance and have a home playoff game or are their fans going to obviously be thrilled to see their team in the postseason but never actually get to see them uh, in their own stadium
1: this isn't the most sexy matchup, and I know everybody else is looking forward to the Padres and the Mets this weekend. They're looking forward to, to seeing Scherzer and, and Darvish on Friday and, and some of these other guys. The Cardinals and the Phillies will be an exciting weekend matchup. But I don't think people realize how well the Seattle Mariners have been playing. And if you look at some of their metrics, especially uh, late in the season, they, they've been hitting both right and left-handed pitching pretty well. Last last 30 days, they're, they're, they're top 10. Against righties, they're, they're 13th against lefties in OPS, which is the number one correlate for run score. So they've been swinging the bats pretty well. The bullpen has been fantastic. It, it's another aspect that it doesn't get a whole lot of fanfare, at least not outside of your local city. There's not a lot of people that day-to-day throughout the course of a baseball season sit and, and watch like who's doing well in the 7th and 8th inning. But the Mariners are pretty deep in the bullpen. They, they allow almost no traffic in the late innings. Uh, last 30 days, they're fifth in WHIP, which is walks plus hits per inning pitched. Since the All-Star break, they're third, so they're not putting themselves in in a lot of bad situations. Their their uh, their K percentage and walk percentage is both t- both top half of the league in that span. So I think I think the Mariners are probably not going to get in their own way. The question mark for the Toronto Blue Jays is always will they get in their own way? No shortage of talent. Vladdy uh, Vladdy Guerrero. Uh, they, Alec Munoz is going to be on the mound for Game One who has been fantastic, especially the second half of the season. He struggled early in the year and and last year with left-handed batters, but he he radically altered his pitch mix coming out of the all-star break and it paid enormous dividends. So I I do think the Blue Jays have a good shot in game one here. The, The larger concern for me with the Blue Jays, one, the bullpen has been a borderline liability all season. It was a huge reason that they ended up not even making the playoffs last year. And then it's the fundamentals. The Blue Jays are still not a good defensive team. They don't do the little things. They don't run the bases well. They don't go first to third the way a lot of teams do. They don't go second to home the, the way a lot of teams do. And that's stuff that you don't end up seeing baked into the line. And it was one of the reasons, like the Cleveland Guardians, even thinking back to 2016, people had no idea the little things that that team did to get to, to the point where they were up 3-1 to one against the Cubs. It, in the in the playoffs, everything is is better prepared for managers – know who to go to in the late innings. You have people available. You're not, you're not holding any punches. Every manager is going all out to win every single game. You need to be able to go to first, first to third. You need to be able to go second to home. You need to be able to play good situational baseball, which, quite frankly, the Toronto Blue Jays have not shown that they're capable of doing either of the last two seasons. I think the, I think Seattle, if I'm picking any underdog this weekend to come out with, uh, with a series victory, it's going to be Seattle.
0: Nick Galeta, MLB expert for scores and odds.com. Hey, man, we're out of time. Otherwise, I know we could keep talking a little bit deeper into the, to the other games, of course, for this week, in particular, that Phillies and Cardinals series. But great insight. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks so much for the time.
1: Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. And just want to say, before I jump out of here, love Brady Singer, the guy made it, Made me more money than anybody else in baseball this year. So you, guys have, you guys have a good one for years to come. Very high on him.
0: There you go. There you go. Nick Galeta joined us here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, Brady Singer. Yeah, look, that's, that is That is definitely the lone bright spot of the Royals pitching staff and Royals fans feeling good about him going forward. And look, yeah, somebody made some money off of Brady Singer as well. Up next, though, we'll get you an update on Thursday Night Football, and then it is time for the Goldilocks here on That Betting Show. All right, back here on That Betting Show. Thursday Night Football about to end the first quarter. 3 nothing Broncos over the Colts. It has been ugly. No offense whatsoever in this game. And uh, Matt Ryan just got sacked yet again. Neither offensive line can protect the quarterback. Naheem Himes officially ruled out with a concussion. Uh, so that's so far uh, how this game has started in primetime unders. Uh, potentially headed toward 10-4. and But as I, I warn Julio, who is seemingly already cashing his ticket for the under... I said, hey, it's a long game, long game, but you're feeling good if you got the under 41 and a half. I I just stayed away from the total as we started the show. Stayed away from it. Stayed away. I think we're watching two different games, Alex. I'm just staying away. The live total is already down to 34. So, yeah, not surprisingly with how ugly it has looked thus far. But all right, let's get to the Goldilocks heading into the weekend. We do this every show to wrap it up. We we're 3-1 in the NFL last week, 3-1 and one in, in college football last week. We are 12-4 and four the last two weeks combined between college football and the NFL. Let's keep the momentum going. Let's start in college football. Kansas State minus 2 at Iowa State. The line's gone up to 2.5 in a couple spots as well. I, I don't get the line in this game. I know Kansas State is on the road, but Adrian Martinez is playing at a level that I didn't think he was capable of playing. That is, he's able to throw the football as well, not just be a running threat. And that Kansas State defense, they're fourth in the country in takeaways per game. Iowa State's quarterback, Hunter Deckers, thrown six picks this year. Their run game, well, they can't run it. They're 111th in yards per game. And we just saw last week, Iowa State... Struggled offensively against Kansas, and you don't trust their kicker also in a close game. Their kicker doinked two of them, missed a a third. So I like Kansas State, actually, to win pretty handily in this game. Love them at minus two against the Cyclones. Let's stick with college football, of course, with UCLA out in the Pac-12. UCLA coming off a big win in blowout fashion against Washington. They're four-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to Utah. Now, the last time Utah faced an athletic running quarterback was week two against Florida. They lost that game. I was on Utah. I still think Utah was the better team in that particular game, but they really struggled against that kind of quarterback. While they're going to face Dorian Thompson-Robinson and the best running back they've seen in Charbonnet, Utah, I don't think, is going to be able to go down the field and attack this UCLA defense. You're going to give me four and a half points for UCLA, in this game, I will gladly take that. Let's go to the Big 12. Texas and Oklahoma. Everybody thought this would be the game that college game day maybe was at. Nope. College game day in Lawrence for Kansas and TCU. But I'll take Texas minus seven against Oklahoma. This Sooners defense, good grief, is it atrocious? TCU had anyone open they wanted all game long last week in blowout fashion. Dylan Gabriel potentially out with the concussion for OU. I think the Longhorns cruise past Oklahoma and move to five and one against the spread on the season. And my last college football Goldilocks for the week. How about Boise State against Fresno State? We go out to the Mountain West a little bit here. The Broncos' defense is fourth in yards per game given up. They're second in passing yards given up so far this season. They've maybe finally got the quarterback situation, at least for this year, figured out. They're going with the freshman and Taylor Green, who's obviously uh, the... Most athletic quarterback they've had probably there in quite some time. I think they finally realized, let's use that athleticism. I think the kid's like 6'4", something if I'm not mistaken, as well. Boise State, minus seven against Fresno State. Those are my four Goldilocks for college football. Let's get to the NFL. How about Pittsburgh? The Steelers... 14-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. Yes, it is Kenny Pickett time in Pittsburgh. An unknown factor, to say the least. But Pittsburgh, this is the largest underdog they've been in 50 years. 50 years they've never been a dog this big against the Buffalo Bills in this circumstance here. This is the NFL. I still trust Mike Tomlin to be able to keep this game close enough to cover 14 points is a lot. A lot of points here. And I do think Kenny Pickett actually does offer some things that we haven't seen from Mitchell Trubisky. So, I actually like Pittsburgh to cover the 14. Buffalo's going to win this game, but give me Pittsburgh to cover. How about New Orleans against the Seattle Seahawks? I I really like the Seahawks last week's performance against the Lions. We were on that game as well. Not this week, though. New Orleans minus five and a half against Seattle. This line has crept down a little bit. Still not 100% sure on who the starting quarterback is going to be for New Orleans. You're saying, well, then how can you love the game? Well, because I don't think there's much of a drop off between Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. The Saints very easily could have won last week in London against Minnesota. We saw the doink, the double-doink at the end of the game as well. They shut down Dalvin Cook. I think they'll be able to shut down Rashad Penny. I think Cameron Jordan will finally cause some problems for Geno Smith. It's been a great story here through the first four weeks. I think it ends this week. I like the Saints to cover the five and a half. Thinking of London. Let's go back to London. How about Green Bay and the Giants? The Packers minus uh, Green Bay uh, minus eight against the Giants. Favorites of over a field goal overseas 16-2 straight up, 12-6 against the spread. I get it. The Packers are coming off an overtime win. They did not look good offensively against Bill Belichick and company who had their third-string quarterback. I think Green Bay bounces back in a big spot. There's some teams that when you look at their 3-1 and one and you say, you know what, yeah, they're not really as good as that record says. And there's a lot of teams that are 3-1 and one or have a worse record, and you say, well, they're better than that record. Green Bay, I still think, is by the far the better football team in this matchup and the last one, Kansas city minus seven and a half against Las Vegas. I told you guys to start the show around the trends for this game. It's prime time. Patrick Mahomes in prime time games so far four one and one against the spread on Monday night. He's tough to beat in divisional games at night as well. Nine and one straight up, six and four against the spread. So I like the Chiefs to cover the seven and a half against the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks to Julio Sanchez for producing the show tonight. Also, thanks to our great guest giving us some insight for the MLB postseason, Nick Galeta over at scoresandodds.com. We're back at it next Thursday, 7-8, right here on 610 Sports Radio. This has been That Betting Show, the Chris Kleinman Show, coming up next here on 610. That Betting Show with Alex Gold. Thursday starting at 7 p.m. on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app.